Hello there and welcome back to the podcast and YouTube channel with no intro. <laughs> My name is Art Burns, and I'm really, really happy to be here with you. And for anybody who is just watching this uh, this channel or uh, podcast for the first time, that statement might have seemed a little odd, maybe confusing to you. So let me explain, okay? <laughs> for a long time now, for almost 600 episodes, actually over 600 episodes, I've jumped on here and tried to be like the MC, like, hey, everybody, welcome to the podcast. This is showing up to your life. And and while that's really fun and stuff, it's kind of hard to transition from that, from like MC promotion guy to like teacher guy and trying to give you the information that I'm trying to give you. So so the idea here is that I'm, I'm I keep telling myself that this is the podcast with no introduction so that I can record an intro. <laughs> And, and place it in the beginning of each one of these episodes. Trouble is, um, there's some deficiency in techni technical knowledge and also deficiency in free time to do so. For all of you who do not know me, um, not only do I produce this podcast and YouTube channel every day, uh, I also produce content for TikTok. You can check me out over there. Also, Instagram and Facebook, same same content just gets shared across those uh, various um, platforms. And I also run, I also do full-time coaching, right? I have many, many people who rely on me every week to, you know, meet with them and teach them and help them cultivate mindfulness and, and compassion into their lives. And I am also a stay-at-home dad <laughs> with two children who have been homeschooling since way before it was cool with COVID. <laughs> so you can imagine how busy I am. <laughs> but the key is that in this busyness, to, to do what I just did, right? Laugh at it. Like that, that's the lesson of this podcast. Like if there was one thing that you're going to get every week from this podcast, it's that, right? That the answer right? The answer to it is to just allow the difficulty to be there. Th that it's only when I judge that difficulty, all that stuff I just told you, it's only when I judge that as bad that it starts to create stress in my body and anx anxiety and depression and all that kind of stuff, right? And of course, the more I judge it as being bad, the more frequently I get into that depression, that anxiety, that stress, and then that becomes my sort of normal operating mode, right? Like I just stay in a, in a state of, you know, chronic stress and, and all the time anxiety and depression, just swinging back and forth between the two. Such was my life for about 30 years until I realized the practices that I talk about here, okay? And so if you're just joining us, welcome. I, I really appreciate you being here. And, and if you enjoy this video, please go ahead and give it a like, um, share it, subscribe to the channel, do all these things. Really helps with the algorithm. It really, really does. I mean, there are days where all of a sudden I will get like, you know, like 400 views on one of my videos. And that's clearly YouTube placing it in front of more people. And that only happens with interaction. That's the way the algorithms work. So the more you can interact with these videos, 
the the more people are going to see it and the more you know helpful it's going to be for for everyone right um and then the same thing goes for the podcast but in the podcast you don't um i don't think you can share and like and all that stuff but what you can do is you can leave a little review right and you can rate it right now i know on on apple that's an easy thing to do i'm not sure about spotify or any of the other um uh channels but anything you can do is certainly going to help, obviously, to the extent that you're able to do it, right? I'm not looking for you to turn your life around, obviously, but, you know, if you could spare a few minutes and, and kind of throw out a, uh, a an accurate and hopefully positive review of what you're, uh, what you're hearing here. And so, so today I wanted to talk about something in this first segment that Actually, something I just shared to my uh, TikTok uh, account, and um, it's already got a bunch of, you know, like in five minutes, it's already got a bunch of interaction because I think this is something that is true for a lot of people who have grown up in circumstances of abuse from their caregivers, right? Whether the caregiver is a, a parent in a, uh, a sort of normal nucleic uh, family model, meaning there's a mom and a dad and, you know, everything's kind of, you know, traditionally set up, or that caregiver could be a single mother or a single father, or that caregiver could be an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent or even a foster parent of some kind, right? Like, like it doesn't, it doesn't require, like, what I'm going to talk about here does not really depend on any one of those situations, right? And and first of all, before we go any further, I just want to put out a, a big TW, okay, big trigger warning. I'm going to talk about a little bit, not too many details, but I'm going to talk about the dynamic between the abused child and the abusive parent, okay? So, so if that's something that you're not into and and or if that makes you feel uncomfortable or maybe even you know conjures up some feelings of of fear or or regret or or anger go ahead and skip to the next segment okay this segment will end in about 50, at 15 minutes so it's got about another 14 minutes left okay uh, i'm sorry it's got another no it's got another 9 minutes left so so if you if you want to just skip ahead go ahead and do that okay Okay, so now for all of you who have stayed here, um, and, you know, please, thank you for, for listening to this. I know that there's a lot of times where I share my personal stories here, and and the, the support that I get from all of you is truly just wonderful. I mean, it feels so, so good to be supported by, by so many of you. And I really appreciate you. All right. I appreciate the messages you send me. I appreciate the, the comments you leave on the videos. I appreciate all of it. And I want you to know that I appreciate it. And I want you, I want to thank you for that. Okay. So as I said on my TikTok this morning, and the beautiful thing about TikTok is like less than 30 seconds, uh, less than a minute. So, uh, and this today's was one that I didn't even go to the very end of that minute. It was probably about 30, 40 seconds that I, I just recorded this video. And basically what I said is as follows that, you know, when I grew up, when I was growing up as a child in a, in what now I know is an abusive situation with my mother, um, at the time, I didn't think I was abused, right? And I remember specifically like seeing there was one uh, television show um, that I think was, I think it was the, um, 
the one with I think Good Times with Jimmy Walker, right? That one, where there was a an episode where they they handled abuse and and they handled it in a really kind of um, actually what turned out to be a very confusing way for me, and I think kind of you know distorted my understanding and fed into what I'm saying right now, right? Which is that that when I when I, I, you know, again, I, I didn't believe that I was being abused because television shows like the one that I'm saying and, and you know, after school specials and what you heard and stuff, it, it always felt as though parents who abused their children did not love their children. And I always had the sense, no matter how bad things got, no matter how, you know, horribly my mother was like actively you know, beating me. I mean, she would have called it spanking and I called it spanking back then, but calling it what it really is. I mean, she was just beating me. And, and the reality is though, that I understand now that she was just, she was just overwhelmed on herself. Right. And that's the thing, right? It wasn't this like hateful thing. But anyway, the, the thing that I said this morning is that I never believed that I was being abused because I always believed that my parents loved me. I know I just, I've already said that, but it's, it's important to repeat, right? And again, I believed that abused, abusive parents did not love their children. They were actively doing things from a place of hate and, and like, you know, disdain. And I never felt that from my parents, which was ultimately even more confusing. And then again, that's what this television show, I remember this television show had this this little girl who was, you know, her mother got mad at her for something and she unplugged the iron and was coming at her with the iron and like, you know, and then it like faded to black, like, oh my God, she's going to get, and I remember asking my mom, like, what's she going to do to that girl? Is she going to put the iron on her? And she was like, yeah, that's how, that's how bad parents do it. This is the woman that that probably earlier that day like slapped the crap out of me, you know? And that's the thing. There's a dissonance that happens, a cognitive dissonance that happens between this cognitive dissonance happens between my mother and me, within me, and also within my mother. Because I believe in that moment she even believed that abusive parents are the parents who take a hot iron and just really try to hurt their children just for the sake of hurting their children out of some kind of cruelty, a conscious, intentional cruelty. And so this cognitive dissonance, right, as we've discussed here before, right, we, we need to create a story to manage that dissonance because your brain is not going to just sit by and say, okay, it's okay that this, you know, this thing that I've always held as a golden truth is now seems to be completely challenged. Your brain can't just let that go, right? Your brain needs to grapple with that and needs to come up with a, a, a reason, a, a justification for what this, for the cause of this dissonance, right? So the dissonance is here's this woman who is my caregiver, who is responsible for everything in my world, right? Like, like there's, I can't do anything without this person, right? And yet this person is the person who is hurting me really, really badly, making me feel very afraid, making me feel very alone, making me feel very ashamed of myself. But this is the person who is supposed to be lifting me up and preparing me for the world. 
So that dissonance needs to be resolved. And the only way a young child can resolve that different dissonance is through this really, really horrible process whereby we, I, decided that, well, my mother can't be wrong, right? She loves me, and she's doing this to me anyway, so therefore, I must deserve this. I must be the kind of person who needs to be treated this way in order for me to be better somehow, in order for me to live up to the, 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 the standards and, the, and the, 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 the expectations of this person who is responsible for everything for me, right? And so, of course, this sets me up for, or did set me up for a lifetime of self-criticism of, you know, because again, this, this woman is my mother, so I have to agree with her. If she tells me that I'm effed up and I need to be beaten in order to get better, well, then she must be right. And the problem is that there's no point in an abusive parent-child relationship where you got to graduate from this, right? There's no point at which my mother pulled me aside and said, okay, all those harsh beatings that I gave you, hey, this is what we've all been waiting for. Now we're done. Now you're better. Now you can move out into the world and, and know that I, even though it hurt, I did the best thing I could for you, right? That moment never happened, right? If that moment had happened, maybe I could walk through my life without feeling this, this, this shame like following me around like my shadow that was created through all of those moments of dissonance in the face of being beaten by this person who loves me, right? And then, of course, it also sets up, you know, what is my definition of a loving relationship, right? And, and believe me, there's a long list of ex-girlfriends who, if they're watching this right now, they'll be like, oh, <laughs> finally he gets it. <laughs> because, I mean, my understanding of a, of a, of a loving relationship included abuse. That's where this gets so dangerous. And that is exactly why I'm going to actually just kill about 30 more seconds here because we're almost at the point where the people who I told to, you know, not watch this because of the trigger warning, they're about to come in and I really want them to hear this statement, okay? Because of the, you know, because of this this sense of this very warped and 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 absurd sense that I somehow deserved all this, that somehow I am flawed and I almost need this abuse, right? Because of that, and because of that sort of mindset that I've carried with me for my entire life, because again, there is no point at which, you know, your abuser says, okay, we're done. Now it's all good. You, congratulations. You lived through it. Now you're all set right? It didn't happen that way. And I also was not fortunate to have, you know, parents who were enlightened enough to send me to therapy. <laughs> you know, they weren't even self-reflective enough to know what they had done, right? And so 
in many ways, right, looking back on this, it's, you know, whether it's intentionally looking back on this or as you might know from trauma experiences of your own, you know, the intrusive thoughts and the reminders that we get in these weirdest of times, like, oh, you know, all of a sudden I'm thinking about my mother throwing a math textbook at me when I failed a test, you know, at, at, eight years old or something like that, right? Like my son was eight years old and I would never try to hurt him that way, right? Like it was ridiculous. But because I carried this with me all my life because I was sure that because this person is the smart one, right? She's the one who's teaching me everything. So therefore, who am I to argue? I do deserve it. I'm not worthy of compassionate love and and kindness. I'm I need this kind of abuse in order to survive. And that is why, folks, self-compassion is the greatest tool that we have available to us to heal from this trauma. The greatest tool. Because self-compassion provides that support that I never got from the outside as a child. And so as I'm looking back on this, whether it's, again, intentionally and consciously or just in those moments where it just pops in, right, if I can hold myself, if I can hold this memory and the, and the physical sensations and the thoughts that are, are and emotions that are, are surrounding it, if I can hold all of that big, hot, gross mess, if I can hold it in the compassion of my heart, then it helps me to not lose myself in it. It helps me not to, you know, to, to go all the way back to being that eight-year-old kid with a math book flying at my face, but instead seeing it from here as a, as a grounded and, and loving adult full of compassion for everyone and myself. And now I can like reach out to that young child and say, hey, let me help you out here, you know? And that's how we heal from this, okay? All right, on to the next segment. Thank you, everybody, for checking this out. And thank you, all of you, for leaving for the trigger warning. But I specifically went a little bit longer because I wanted you to hear that last part about self-compassion. If you have any questions about that, please contact me, okay? Because at the end of this week, I'm going to be announcing that one week after the end of this week, I'm going to be starting an eight-week program of self-compassion that's going to be so valuable. Whether you had childhood trauma or not, it's going to be something that's very valuable. So if you have any questions about that, fire away. Otherwise, look out for more information in the coming days. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. I'll see you in the next segment. So, well, welcome back to the next segment here. <laughs> um, I just kind of keep going with, like as if we're, we're continuing a conversation here. Um, but anyway, so, so one of the things that, um, that, that self-compassion, one of the sort of less than intuitive things that self-compassion provides us is self-awareness, right? Now, not just self-compassion. I mean, self-compassion, well, the thing is that self-compassion requires a level of mindfulness. All compassion requires a level of mindfulness, right? Because mindfulness is about noticing, right? It's about seeing. It's about, it's about you know, really being with what's going on, right? And if we don't see the suffering of ourselves or another, and we can't possibly provide that person with compassion or ourselves, right? It's impossible. Compassion is an active process. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a practice. It's an active practice. 
And it only works if we're seeing it, right? If we're seeing the suffering. Otherwise, there can be no compassion, right? And so, so how does self, how does self-compassion promote self-awareness? And that's exactly what we're going to talk about in this in this segment, and and how, why, and how this is so important and and valuable for us to understand, right? Because here's the thing, right? As I said in the last segment, right, sometimes we might have sense, you know, whether it comes from childhood abuse or not, right, many people in this world have this sort of notion of of the, the harder we are on ourselves, the more we're going to, you know, excel in our lives, right? It's going to help us to be hard on ourselves, right? That's a general sense that many, many people in this world carry, right? It happens to not be true, but we'll talk about that at a different time. And, and you can certainly learn about that in my eight-week course coming up starting next week. <laughs> but but let's just put that aside for now, right? And let's just talk about so so when we are in that place of self-criticism and self, um, you know, beating ourselves up over something, right? What happens then is that we create stress, right? Because whether it's um, whether it's you know, beating ourselves up or we're criticizing ourselves, you know, our, our brain, as I talk about here a lot, our brain doesn't really know the difference between, you know, just thinking that, you know, like telling ourselves that, that we're, you know, that we did something bad or that we're not worthy of something, right? Our brain doesn't really know the difference between ourselves telling us that and somebody else screaming it in our face, right? Somebody who we're going to believe, right? And so the thing is that we tend to, our brain was always going to be ready to believe all that stuff, right? And and when your brain hears that, that you know, you're, you're beating yourself up over something, right? Your brain responds in the only way it knows how to respond to a threat, which is with the stress response, right? And in that stress response, your your ability to be aware is greatly reduced like i mean like 90% reduced right because when you're in the stress response you're in survival mode and so in survival mode you don't really care about figuring things out you don't care about understanding things around you all you care about is surviving getting through this experience whatever this experience might be so therefore, in that place, there's no self-awareness, right? And, and so what's replaced by self-awareness is reactivity, right? When we're in that survival mode, we're going to just react to the emotions we have because, again, survival means doing things quickly, right? And your brain does not function when it's in that, when, you're, when your sympathetic nervous system is activated and cortisol and adrenaline are rushing through your body, your, your brain is not going to allow you to open up to the, to the reflection and to, to give yourself the time to make a response to something rather than a reaction, right? Your brain is not going to allow that to happen. It's a function that's going on that you have no control over other than to reduce your stress. That's the only way out of it. But the only way to reduce the stress is to kind of go through, not not avoid, right? It's not about saying, oh, no, 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 this is terrible. That's only going to cause more stress. And we'll talk about that at a different time, right? But but when we can, the, the sorry, but the, the, uh, the sort of uh, point here is that as we practice self-compassion, 
right? And we get ourselves into, into moments where we feel like we're beating ourselves up, right? Again, as we practice self-compassion, we're also practicing mindfulness, right? Because you got to notice it first. So when you notice that you're beating yourself up, right? Self-compassion is that thing that allows you to go through that and, and to reduce the stress, right? Because you, well, first of all, you stop beating yourself up, right? Like that's the first step, right? Just turn off the faucet, right? But then you're, you're able to comfort yourself through that, right? You're able to forgive yourself because the problem is that even if we realize that we're beating ourselves up, you know, maybe we'll beat ourselves up for beating ourselves up, right? And that's the way it goes. It's a vicious cycle that just keeps going and going and going. So, so the, the awareness that we have, right, the self-compassion will allow us to, to become more supportively aware of the the way that we're beating ourselves up right and that helps to ground us back in the present moment and then helps us to you know sort of soothe ourselves through this difficulty support ourselves through this difficulty right and so now the stress level starts coming down and and over time this is something there's there's a reason we call all this stuff practice right because the more you do it you know, and again, I'm doing an eight-week course. So by the end of eight weeks, if you do all the practices, you will be a different person when it comes to your relationship to beating yourself up or, or even just handling adversity, whether it's present moment adversity or the adversity in your memory from, from childhood, you know, issues that you experienced, right? And so once we can do this, now our awareness comes back online, right? Now we can really hold in our awareness the 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 truth the 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 reality of what is happening right and specifically <laughs> we can we can examine and and hold in our awareness the truth of our emotions and our thoughts because again the problem especially when we get into things like childhood abuse right the problem is that that when we when we you know if if we allow ourselves to kind of go back to the abuse and 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 almost like you know we we talk about you know therapists and and you know people like me and everybody who works with trauma you know they use the word um like terms like reliving the trauma right or re-experiencing the trauma right and and that's what happens when we're not able to separate ourselves and that is a function of awareness too right the awareness of 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 knowing that no i am a 52 year old man right now i am not an 8 year old boy with his mother doing something really horrible you know even if it was a misguided you know sort of um expression of her caring on some twisted you know, crazy, you know, sorry, I don't mean to use that word, this twisted and, and unreasonable level, right? Like, <laughs> you know, right? So, so, so yeah, I'm a 52 year old man. Now I'm not that eight year old boy. So I can look at that eight year old boy as a 52 year old man. I don't have to go back to being that eight year old boy and experiencing all of that again. Right now, <clears throat> One of the major emotions that is always going to come up when we consider our childhood abuse and all of the difficulty, because that's the problem, right? As adults, you know, one of the 
Man, one of the most difficult things that I experience now is when I recognize the behavior that I have that's really disruptive and has disrupted me for years. And I say, oh, man, that is coming straight from my trauma. You know, that's it. That's my trauma right there. And when we look at that and we think about all of the years of difficulty and all of the challenges and all of the, you know, the jobs and the relationships and the money issues and all the things that, that have been caused because of that thing that I'm, re I'm realizing that is a function of my trauma, it's very, very easy at that point and very natural at that point to sink into a place of anger and resentment. And now here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with that anger. Okay. That anger is yours to feel. And, and you may feel that as much as you possibly want. Okay. And you should, right? You should not block it out. You should not say, oh, no, no, I, it's, it's not appropriate to be angry. I don't want to be angry. Do not push it away. Allow yourself to feel that anger. Okay. It's, it's very, very necessary to do so. But... And again, this is where the self-awareness really beautifully combines with the self-compassion and the mindfulness, which is that, you know, again, that sort of distancing we can, you know, that sort of separation, like the, the, the non-identification of the emotions and the thoughts, right, allows us to step back from it a little bit, right? And that's where even though we're feeling the anger and even though we're allowing our body to process the anger, which again is very, very important, do not try to block anger ever. It's never a good thing. It's going to hurt you. But even though we're allowing the anger to process, the mindfulness and the self-compassion and the awareness that results from these two practices, or really one whole practice, two facets of the same practice, the awareness allows us to notice that, yes, even though I'm feeling this anger and it's okay to feel this anger, I can also recognize that this anger right now is not going to solve the problem. It is not going to undo what happened to me then. It is not going to do anything for me in the present moment to heal from this. In fact, the anger could wind up just causing more and more damage, especially if I stay in that anger and I, and I feed the anger with the thoughts and the resentment and all that stuff. So the self-awareness that comes through the self-compassion and the mindfulness allows me to see that that anger, while important and while very valid and something I need to, to feel here and there, it is largely obsolete at the same time, right? It is not something that is going to, well, here's the thing. The awareness allows me to, to, to feel the anger and allow the anger to motivate me in a way. Now, maybe that motivation is saying, you know, severing a relationship with someone, right? Even though they're still your mother, still your father, still your whatever, right? It's like, no, you are my abuser and it's toxic and it hurts me. So my anger allows me to have the courage to say, that's it. I can't be in this relationship anymore because it hurts too much, right? Or maybe that motivation is, is you, you know, confronting your abuser in a loving and compassionate way, but in a way that's true, right? That's what anger is there to do. It's there to motivate us. But if we just sit with the anger and just like let the anger keep churning inside of us, then it becomes something much 
much different and not helpful at all. In fact, it becomes something that can be really painful and really disruptive to our lives. And so, so, but sometimes that's appropriate, right? Sometimes that's exactly what you want, but sometimes it's not. The awareness that comes from the self-compassion and the mindfulness lets you discern which is which. All right, folks, thanks for checking out the, the episode today. I wish you well. I'll be back again tomorrow. And don't forget, I have a self-compassion practice starting a week from the end of this week. Details to come in the next couple of days, but please reach out with any questions you have. All right, everybody, have a great day. Bye-bye.